Welcome to The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. It's, it's not, now it's hers. Now, she, now it's her book, and she brings herself to the story. Which, as an illustrator, I feel is very generous of you because it's just, it's, it, because it's very inspiring. You know, sometimes, it's, so instead of having like a blank page, I immediately have, you know, oh, there's my, there's my launching point. You're listening to The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. Here's today's question. If you could meet an author and illustrator of children's literature, what would you ask and why? To help answer these questions, I'm happy to introduce via tape author Dory Hillestead Butler and illustrator Nancy Myers. Together, they are the award-winning team behind a series of mysteries for early readers known as King and Kayla. In the studio is Robin Noonan Price. Robin produces an interactive distance learning program called Meet the Author. And full disclosure, I started the series as a teacher in service many, many years ago. Robin, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Robin, what is Meet the Author? Meet the Author is a distance learning program, and it's really about access and equity for all students. What's really cool about the program is that we have authors that come on our show, K-12, to they talk about their books, they talk about the writing process, and the kids are so engaged because they can call into the show, they can Skype, they can send emails, but they get direct access to the author and they can, and the authors answer their questions. What do you mean by the writing process? So the writing process, it's, it's all about what we all do as writers. There's research involved, there's drafting involved, there's revising, there's polishing, there's peer critiquing, there's all of it. And then eventually it's the final publication. That's right. And students are writers, too. They're publishing all the time. They are. They are. They're doing it on their phones. They're doing it on their iPads. They're doing it on paper. They're doing it on computers. It's amazing. What is the most common question asked on the air from kids? Students have often asked about writer's block and where do authors get their ideas from. But I think better than me explaining it, Let's let Dory handle that question. Let's go to the tape. The truth is, I don't know. I don't know where the ideas come from. You know, I wish there was an idea store that I could go down to and pluck one when I need it. You know, an idea just appears. Uh, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. Sometimes, sometimes an idea has to be massaged into a story. They come from anywhere. They might come from my childhood. They might come from my kids. They, a lot of them actually come from visiting schools, honestly. I'll see something, hear something, and it'll trigger, trigger an idea. But how it happens, I, I can't say. I, u- I used to feel like that's a good question and a child deserves a good answer, but I realized that is an okay answer because they don't know where ideas come from either. And sometimes they struggle with ideas. And so maybe it's okay. So we've just heard from award-winning author Dory Hillstead-Butler. 
Hello, my name is Sandra Brennan. And I'm Robin Noonan-Price. Robin and I met Dory and illustrator Nancy Myers at the American Library Association's annual meeting in Washington, D.C. Dory and Nancy won the 2019 Theodore Seuss Geisel Honor Book Award. The award is given annually, and I quote, to the authors and illustrators of the most distinguished American book for beginning readers published in English in the United States during the preceding year. Robin, how have other authors responded to the question, where do you get your ideas? I loved author Ruta Sepetti's tip on playing a game she calls, what if? So for example, what if the lights go out? What if she disappears? What if something happens? And then that's something to just generate thoughts and ideas. Um, Alan Gratz, another author, keeps an idea book. So he's out and about and he gets this idea, he writes it down in his book and he keeps it for another time. John Grisham, he was... that John Grisham? That John Grisham. And he writes for kids? He is writing for kids now. And basically, he started this because his daughter is a teacher and she said, Dad, there needs to be more exciting, interesting mystery thriller books for middle school kids. So he came up with Theodore Boone, Kid Lawyer, based on his law background. Awesome. And I understand that you also, tell us about your experience with Kwame Alexander. Oh my goodness, Kwame Alexander. We are so lucky due to our proximity of where our studio is located. We actually live close by to where Kwame lives. We were going to his house to tape a little segment for our show pre him appearing in our studio. And it just so happened to be the day that he found out he won the Newberry. And he was, he answered the door. It was like unbelievable how excited he was. And I just can't even imagine, I can't imagine that feeling, but I also was just so excited to be part of the joy of his day. What are some other authors that have come in? Can you can you give us uh, can you name drop for us? Sure. We've had Jason Reynolds, who was awesome. absolutely amazing. Um, we have had Sharon Draper, who herself was a teacher at one point in time and now is an author. And uh, we had Owen Colfer, who is also was a teacher, and one of his students inspired a character in his book, Artemis Fowl. So. All it's the way been, from Ireland. All can. the way from Ireland. And it's been really exciting meeting all these different authors over the years. I've really liked uh, Janet Wong, the poet, the Park Sisters, who won. I think the Park Sisters used to own a chocolate shop and then did writing on the side. Exactly. Exactly. The entire public can go through your archive of programs. Yes, yes. We have it set up on our Fairfax Network through Fairfax County Public Schools, and it's all online. Let's go back to the Geisel Award for a moment. For those uh, who don't know, the Geisel really speaks to the power of story and illustration. Let's listen to Dory recite the opening paragraphs of King and Kayla and the Case of the Lost Tooth. And, as illustrator Nancy Myers explains, how to draw an adjective. So this is chapter one, which is called Waiting. Hello, my name is King. I'm a dog. 
I have a human. Her name is Kayla. Kayla isn't home. She's at school. She's been there for 117 hours, maybe even 117 days. All I know is she's been gone a long, long, long time. I hear a car door slam. Maybe that's Kayla. I wait and wait and wait. No one comes in. Where is Kayla? She is coming home, isn't she? What if she doesn't come home? What if she never comes home? I hear another car door slam. Then Mason's voice. Thanks for the ride, Mrs. Dixon. Mrs. Dixon is mom. My tail starts wagging all by itself. The door opens and hooray, Kayla and mom are home. So I loved, loved, loved this beginning because I have a dog and that's all dogs do is they're just waiting for their humans. And he spends all his time on our front porch looking out and waiting and waiting and waiting. And the particular day I was working on these sketches, you know, I thought, okay, this is easy enough. You know, he's on her bed because, and you know, he's not in his bed because our dog never is on the floor. He's always on our bed because you can see the little dent when we're gone and, and when we come back. And so that's why I put him on the bed can for I the first here. I have to say something. I love on the very beginning when he's on her bed, I love the picture on her nightstand of yeah. King and Kayla together. So describe that picture for us. It's just a picture of Kayla with her arms around King, so sitting right by her bed. It just, it shows the relationship between them because we don't see Kayla at the very beginning. But boy, we know that King is missing her and loves her, and now we know how much Kayla loves him even though she's not there. And that's just another example of something I wouldn't have thought to put in there to give her any direction, and there it is, it just appears. How would you describe this? Is this a golden retriever? Yes, on, on yes. A and that was the one thing, you know, it came, it says, King's a golden retriever, and that's because this series was a prequel to another series that Dory had written. And so um, I have, uh, a slightly smaller dog, but very similar personality um, to King, I think. And um, I always have a model at hand, I guess is what I would say. So, but this day, um, I was, when I was working, I thought, well, he's got to be looking out. And, and as an illustrator, you always want to kind of think of a different angle, especially because we've got the waiting part. It's like, how am I going to draw just him by himself for three pages, really, and so, um, or three Nailed spreads, it. and Nailed so, it. <laughs> but my favorite line was when it was like, what if she never comes home? Because, you know, they, they, they don't have any sense of time, and, you know, when you come home, it's like they haven't seen you in a hundred years, and that enthusiasm is what, you know, that's why dogs are such, so awesome, but that particular day, um, my daughter came home and the dog did exactly what, what King was doing, which, you know, the rug went up and there was stuff everywhere and he was bouncing all over. So I was like, okay, got that. And look at the ears. <laughs> the ears on, on King are standing straight up. The thing that's neat about early readers is that my understanding is you're not supposed to have a lot of adjectives or figurative language. And so 
that's my job with the illustrations. So it's like I get to draw adjectives, you know, that aren't on the page. And that is awesome. So it'll just say like Kayla said, but you can tell what what mood she's in and and she doesn't have to say Kayla said angrily you can just tell or, or you know she's usually not angry but if King's doing something naughty you know and she has to be more um, persistent with with his training you know you can tell it by the way it's written but it's 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 not um, it's not overwritten and that gives me this great opportunity to be able to tell it with the expression of the characters which I love to do. Robin, how do you start an interview with a writer or illustrator? Reading the book first, and then I do a lot of research about the person that we are going to be interviewing. And that's no different, I think, than the way teachers and librarians prepare for author visits. They have the kids um, read a book or rally around several of the books, and they they read it and they share the information, and then they're prepared for when the author comes to ask questions. How do you approach key concepts like plot, character development, or genre? And and does it does it matter? Is it important for you to sort of pick up on what's happening in classroom instruction? Yes. Actually, the authors do talk about that quite a bit. And those are questions that the kids really want to know. They want to know why the author made a character do a certain thing a certain way or why, um, you know, what so what drove the plot? And also, why is a character, why does that character have certain traits? So I think it's all all of that. So King and Kayla is what? King and Kayla falls into the genre of mystery, and it's for early young readers. And so it offers an important theme about communication. So I'll let Dory and Nancy explain that. Well, the series is about a dog and a girl who work together to solve mysteries. And the books are told from the dog's point of view. But they can't communicate with each other because they don't speak the same language. So each of them has a piece of the mystery and they have to figure out how to communicate and put those clues together to solve the mystery. And as an illustrator, um, Dory sets up this perfect balance or um, not conflict, but just a balance between um, the dog just getting like so frustrated because his human just doesn't get what he's saying. So it's as it's a great opportunity to do a lot of expressive um, drawings and dogs are so fun too. And, and so in spite of those obstacles, they still really work as a team. I'm not that visual of a person. When, when I'm writing, it's in my head and I'm feeling it. I'm not necessarily seeing it. I don't see it until I see Nancy's work. And she brings so much more to the books than I ever put in the text. Let's go back to mystery for a bit. What makes a good mystery I know you've won the Edgar Award, which is no small achievement. What is it that you are planning for when you bought your books? That's a good question, because in some ways, any book is a, is a mystery, because there should be suspense, and there's a question that you want answered. I've also had the opportunity to chair the Edgar Award and, and be on the other side, 
And that was something we discussed as a, as a committee, is what makes a mystery? Because just because there is a question, that's not a mystery. A mystery is about having, having a detective who sifts through clues and uses deductive reasoning, and that, that is a big part of our book. Each book is structured such that there are five chapters, and in the first chapter, we reintroduce the characters and we introduce the mystery. Chapter two is all about finding clues. Chapter three is about building on those clues and then doing that detective work, doing that deductive reasoning. There's a list of what do we know, what don't we know, what are we going to do to solve this case. Chapter four is all about King getting in trouble, and chapter five is when we solve the case. So when you're creating King and Kayla in your mind, did you imagine them as they um, appear in your books? No, I could never have imagined them like that. I still remember where I was when I first saw Nancy's sketches. I was actually in a library, and I squealed out loud in the library when I saw what she did. I love what Dory just said, um, because we understand what the book is about on so many levels, but the book itself is such a collaboration between Dory and Nancy, and that's the thing that I just find so fascinating, how they seamlessly work together. So let's go to another clip of Dory and Nancy at the 2019 American Library Association's annual meeting. The way the publishing industry works, authors and illustrators are usually kept apart. That gets harder nowadays with social media. We can usually find each other. But there are good reasons for that because a story doesn't just belong to the author. You know, I, I do my part, I send it in to my editor, she gives me feedback and I go back and revise it, and when it's as good as I can make it and as good as my editor can make it, then it goes to the illustrator. And I stay out of it at that point, I, unless there's something that needs to be, be conveyed in the illustrations that I know is not in, in the text. I, I don't leave notes. I, I, let, I give her the, the freedom to, it's, it's, now it's hers. Now she, now it's her book, and she brings herself to the story. Which, as an illustrator, I feel is very generous of you because it's just it's it, because it's very inspiring. You know, sometimes it's, so instead of having like a blank page, I immediately have, you know, oh, there's my there's my launching point, and um, so I'll do a, a set of sketches, and I try to keep them relatively loose but tight enough so that um, the designer um, at Peachtree can figure out how much space is being used up and that kind of thing, and um, and then I'll go through the entire the entire story, um, and um, that usually takes me a good six weeks or so. Um, from start to finish just to get that rough draft um, pinned together. And then I'll send that back to Kathy, the editor, and um, Nikki, the um, creative director. And then I'll wait. And sometimes I'll wait two weeks, and sometimes I'll wait a lot longer. And I'm waiting to hear what Dory thinks. And, um, and then, of course, what Nikki and um, Kathy think, too. And um, then they'll send every everything back to me with um, editorial notes. And I have to say, they're, they're usually not 
I can tell that they are careful not to over um, over edit it. You can tell there's a there's a sense of you know because the more the fresher you can keep it is the fresher it will end. You don't want anything to look wrong, but you also don't want to beat it to death. And I don't think they ever do that. That and I think that. Um, is a is a good thing about that, and so then um, then when I get it back with all the editorial notes, I'll do the final pencil drawings, and then I'll add the color. Um, I do that on paper, and then I scan it and I add the color with watercolor brushes in a Photoshop program, and then that will go back to. Um, uh, to Kathy, who will then send it to Dory, and then they're still fine-tuning the text. So then, because in that process, Kathy and I will go back and forth too. So Kathy will send me the. And Kathy, remind us who Kathy is. Oh, sorry, Kathy is our editor. So Kathy will send the the initial sketches to me with without any opinion whatsoever. So I don't know what Kathy thinks. I'm just looking at them myself and. Early on, I all I had to say was, "This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome." That's what I. That, those were the post-it notes that I put pretty much all the way through. And as time has gone on, when I see her her sketches, that then informs my next uh, revision. So I'll see something that she's done, and and I will change the text either to match it or, or more, more often what I'll do is I'll see something that she put in, in the art that no longer needs to be in the text. So then that helps us tighten things up. So Kathy and I will have another round of edits, both at the sketch level, not a whole lot there, but a little bit. Uh, and then once the final art is in, that's when Kathy and I are really polishing the text, making sure every word matters. Once again, real writers, real illustrators are polishing their work, editing and revising, just like students. Welcome back. This is a special edition of The Answer Key. My name is Sandra Brennan, and in the studio is Robin Noonan Price. Robin, the show Meet the Author is a millennial, over 20 years old. What kind of feedback do you get that keeps the program humming along all these years? I think the feedback has been pretty consistent over the years. Teachers and students love the program because they really do have direct access to these authors. And it's all live. So, and it's all live. So for all your planning, you never really know what's going to happen. That is exactly true. <laughs> do you reimburse authors for their visits here? No, we do not. We don't have a budget. And that's the thing that is so amazing to me is that these authors willingly come on the program. They share their information. They share their stories. And they really are, uh, they just really want to be supportive of students and literacy. It's amazing. Robin, I also know that you make every effort that all the books you feature applies to grade level curriculum. What is the one question you always ask every guest? We always ask the author for a just a brief, you know, give us a writing tip. What's what's one writing tip that a student can put into practice? 
Well, the best advice I have is it's three points. Number one, and this this works for adults <coughs> and children. If you, anybody who wants to be a writer, I have three pieces of advice. One, read something every day. Two, write something every day. And three, this is the most important part. This is the real secret to becoming a published writer. Never give up. It took me eight years to publish my first book. I've been at it for almost 30 years, and I have more than 50 books to my name now. And I think especially for kids, I always um, uh, try to um, encourage them to doodle. Um, that is the way I started. I, you know, just draw, get a pencil on paper, even if it's just mindless doodling, because I think it releases, uh, it, it takes you in a different place um, for thinking, and it, it opens up a creative avenue for you. And um, I've heard some writers do that too when they have writer's block, but anyway, that would be my suggestion. We began this interview with this question. If you could meet an author and illustrator of children's literature, what would you ask and why? I think Robin Noonan Price and I can agree that it's about role modeling. All the questions have to apply to what, not only what pros do, but what students do in the classroom. Robin, in the time remaining, what would you add? What's the magic? I think the magic comes at the very end of the program with our tagline, keep reading, keep writing, and keep dreaming. Thank you for joining me, Robin Noonan-Price. And also a huge thank you to Dory Hillstead Butler, Nancy Myers, and our friends at Peachtree Publishing. For more information about Meet the Author and how your students can participate, please visit the Fairfax Network there on the web. The 2019-2020 series highlights the work of Hannah Kahn, Adam Garowitz, Chelsea Clinton, W. Bruce Cameron, Lisa McMahon, and the writer-illustrator team, Betsy Lewin and Doreen Cronin. Thanks for listening. This interview is produced by Digital Learning Resource Services, the Department of Information Technology, Fairfax County Public Schools.